Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. And welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Today, sticking true to the theme of not just sports, we are launching in to my favorite show, Survivor 43. This is the Survivor 43 weekly wrap. Jumping into episode two now. So the episode one podcast has already been released. And I'm going to assume you haven't listened to that. But if you have, then you would know that usually I would go for more of a recap kind of angle, I've decided to totally change my plan of attack. I thought, who's going to be listening to this podcast? Most likely Survivor fans, people who've already seen the episode. So this time, I'm going to attack this from a different angle, and rather than just recapping through the episode, I'll try and just get to the big points throughout. So we're going to check out this episode through a fan's perspective, This is Survivor 43, Episode 2, The Weekly Wrap. Alright, let's get amongst it. And what better place to start than the second person voted out of Survivor 43, Justine. Now, this was an elimination that I must say I did see coming as soon as I knew that Vessi were headed to Tribal Council. I said to the people I was watching with, I think Justine's gone here. Now, you only have to think back as far as the premiere episode of the season to know that Cody, there was a bit of salesperson beef. He was very clearly, he was very clearly going to target Justine. So once Necker failed in the challenge, Look, it seemed like the obvious vote was going to be Necker for tribe strength, but I knew from that point, I was like, Justine is a goner, or potentially Noel, but with such a small tribe, I knew Cody, he made his intentions pretty clear. He didn't want to let Justine stick around for too long, and to be honest, I don't blame him. She definitely strikes me as someone who would have been a major player, And with some of these really strong game players, you kind of need to get them early. Because if you think like, oh, we'll do it next tribal or we'll, you know, prioritize something else. Before you know it, it's you that's gone. So I do think it was the right move from Vessi to vote Justine out. It's a shame. She was a player that I did like a lot if you listened to the episode one podcast. But look, it was Cody's ability to seal that last bead to activate his immunity idol, and right at the last moment too. That was what allowed the tribe to get rid of Justine. And now that she's gone, I must say, the other salesperson in this game, Cody, is definitely a player to watch out for. He's crafty, definitely conniving, and he seems like he's got a few big plays up his sleeve. So with Justine being gone, I am keeping a vested interest in Vessi and how they're going to go over the rest of the season. They decided to keep Necker, 
who didn't have the strongest performance in the challenge. But obviously, look, the last couple of seasons, season 41 and 42, it's become very apparent that the social element of the game far outweighs the physical or the strategic. It very much seems more so than ever than a social game where you really have to build those connections to be able to get the win at the end. And thankfully for Neca, in her case, she had built some quality relationships early on with the likes of uh, Dwight and Jesse and of course Cody as well. So Neca, she's able to buy herself some time. No, it wasn't the best performance in the challenge, but again, it's a very social game. So that is a perfect example where just because you fail in the challenge and could be, could be rather perceived as the weakest link does not necessarily mean that it is a clear-cut vote. And now on the Vessi tribe, there are five that remain and Noel is now the odd one out. Noel, of course, had paired up with Justine and that's what I think made them a target because straight off the bat, you can tell Noel and Justine would have been able to execute some big, big plays had they had numbers on their side. But in Necker's case for her, she would be stoked that she had warmed to the boys a little bit more than Justine and Noel. And I think in the same sense, when you weigh up, do you get rid of Necker or do you get rid of Justine? You've got to look at who's more likely to stab you in the back down the track. Who can you trust? which trust, obviously, one of the most important aspects in the game of Survivor. And I think for everyone in the Vessi tribe, except Noel, and actually, I think Jesse, I'll, I'll get to that a bit later on, but everyone kind of felt like Justine was the bigger threat. So they've made moves early, they've gotten rid of a threat, and I think it was the right move. I can't see Justine being a player that would have stuck true and loyal to her original tribe. She definitely would have flipped at some point. I think Justine, look, it's the pretty ones you gotta worry about because, you know, they, they win you over, you start simping and then boom, blindsided. So I do think they made the right move in terms of voting Justine out. And now for Noelle, she finds herself on the bottom of the tribe. Now, early on, it could have been perceived that Noelle was actually in a power position given that her and Justine linked up. But unfortunately for them, the other four members of the tribe, they weren't on board. So now with Justine gone, that sees Noelle on the bottom of the tribe and it will be very interesting to see how things play out going forward. Now let's get to the actual episode itself. The first portion of the episode I noted it was mainly just inspirational slash motivational story time. Uh, all these people on this cast are extraordinary. They've all faced hardship and then become like absolute high level people, either with what they're doing for their job. We've got like doctors out here and things like that, or just in general with the way that they live their life and their personality. So there's a lot of really extraordinary people on the show made me find, kind of feel like a piece of shit for having a relatively uh, easy life but yeah that's kind of what I took from the first part of the episode leading up to the challenge 
Uh, I took a couple of notes. Most of it were just people telling, you know, confessionals about themselves to the cameras. So not necessarily to all of their tribe mates, because in the game of Survivor, you know, anything extraordinary can be used against you. So some of these people are keeping their rather extraordinary stories under wraps. Um, we've got Dwight. That was the first one I noted down. Who Look, he's been called Jesse's island wife. I find that weird. I don't know. And not in a homophobic way at all. I am all for the gays. All for the gays. LGBTQ. I'm fully on board. No hate here. More just like, I don't know. I think if I was on Survivor and some dude was calling me his like island wife, I'd be like, um, why don't you call me like your island brother or your island mate? Island wife, I don't know. I mentioned it in the episode one podcast where Jesse kind of talked about not really hanging out with anyone other than his wife and kid. So yeah, I guess he can only really relate social situations or different relationship dynamics with his wife. But I don't know, I was just like, oh, that's just weird. a bit weird calling Dwight your island wife. I'm like, does that mean? I don't know. I don't know what that means. But yeah, again, it's no hate. That wasn't on the view of like, well, two guys, he can't be his island wife. More just like, I feel like that's not the dynamic. They're more like island bros or something. But whatever. Now, Dwight, he was the first to kind of share his story He's a junior journalist, or was a junior journalist, and yeah, he's really good at talking to people. He can strike up a conversation with anybody, and he kind of likened that to how he'll be able to play the game, approaching everyone, not just within his tribe, but on other tribes as well, to be able to build relationships. Now, for Dwight, that's kind of going back to what I was saying, how nowadays Survivor is a very social game. The physical aspect, not as much of an issue, really, or not as much of a point where people really look at that to base their winner. It's become very, very social. Look at last season, Marianne, one of the most loved players in the game, friendly with everybody, and had close relationships with people. And once she got to the end, that worked in her favor. So we're seeing that again, where it is a very social game, and with Dwight's approach, this could work very well for him. He's definitely someone I can see going far in this game. And when Dwight talked about building relationships, he kind of singled out Cody. He was like, I want to, you know, build relationships with everyone, except Cody's a bit, he's a bit fishy, which I, I do agree. I really do agree. There's something about him. I think I said in, um, the episode one podcast that Cody gives off, like, not in real life, but within the game sense, like scumbag or ratbag vibes. I can definitely see Cody being one to blindside someone or pull off a real cheeky lie to get himself further in the game. He is an elevator salesman after all. So I think that's a good pickup from Dwight. Now, Cody, he's one of the most popular players this season. And in terms of value and bringing value to the show, Cody's doing a sensational job. I've loved watching him. In only two episodes, he's already given us plenty to enjoy from a viewer's perspective. 
But I do think Dwight's on to something there. Cody just, I don't know whether it's the fact that he's a salesman or I don't know exactly what it is, but there's just something a little bit shady and a little bit sneaky about the way Cody gets around. And I'm not, I don't liken these things to real life. You got to remember, Survivor requires you to lie. It requires you to be sneaky. So I think this could work well in Cody's favor, but it could also blow up in his face. It is necessary though. You do have to be sneaky, as I mentioned. And so anytime, you know, if I call someone a rat bag, that's within the context of the show. People are very different in real life to how they play Survivor. So I think it's pretty harsh to really judge anyone's character based on the way that they behave on a television show, especially reality TV, and especially Survivor, when you have to lie. Even if you're the most honest, beautiful soul, you're not going to win this game unless you lie to a couple of people along the way. So I like Dwight's approach of being social, and I do think he's definitely on to something in terms of Cody being a sneaky character to watch out for. Now, our next in our series of kind of motivational or inspirational stories, we had Geo, and I must say, it's, it's good. We don't always get this early in Survivor, everyone's story, and I feel like already two episodes in, I've learned a lot about the majority of the cast. There's a couple that I don't know too much about. I don't really know much about Cassidy um, and what her go is, or is it Cassie? I think it's Cassidy. Now, that's how little I know about her. But yeah, Gio, I enjoyed his story. He talked about coming out to his parents at 18. And look, his family thought less of him because, uh, because of it. This is something that happens to many people. And for Gio, he, he now becomes a role model, someone that kids within that community can look at and say, you know, maybe it's relatable to them. Maybe their parents have similar views and they can say, well, you know, maybe I can be on Survivor. Maybe I can achieve my dreams regardless of whether people accept me or not. And Geo, a real flag bearer for that. So he came out at 18, family thought less of him, and they told him if he doesn't change, he has to leave the house. He was forced into a homeless stage and yeah, really really upsetting. And the extra upsetting thing is that this isn't like some one-off thing of like, wow, poor Geo. This has just happened to Geo. Like this happens to a lot of kids. This is why LGBTQ suicide rates are so high. And for Geo to come out and share his story, I thought was very brave. And it's nice. I like to get to know these players on a more personal level. It invests you more in the show. And yeah, I've got to say, I'm a fan of Geo, and so is Ryan on the Coco Tribe. They are getting along famously. They've really, in only two episodes, really started to click. And I think there's a very obvious alignment there between Ryan and Geo, potentially a strong duo going forward. We also had a motivational slash inspirational story from Cody. He talked about his high school friend who died of cancer and having to go through that, seeing a friend die and 
it really would put things in perspective. And for Cody, I think that's kind of one part of his life that has really driven him to become this eccentric character that he is, L-I-V-I-N, on the ass tattoo. Uh, you know, he's a bit of a wild character, but I like him a lot. And it's good. This is why I like hearing some stories about the players because now it's not like, okay, well, Cody's just some absolute wild child. Yes, he has seemingly been that way forever, but it was really nice to get some insight into kind of why he lives his life to the fullest and tries to take every moment in. So Cody sharing his story. We got one from Gio and Dwight as well. And then we hit the immunity challenge. And this one, there were a couple of parts to it. They had the giant snake that we've seen in season pre in seasons previous. And bloody hell, it looked so heavy. I was sitting on the couch and I was like trying to catch my breath. I was like, man, that looks exhausting. And as far as the challenge, Vessi, they clearly lost. And it was Neka who lost the challenge for them. She had a really poor performance, unfortunately, which not everything is going to be in your wheelhouse. So Neka will get the chance to respond. But in that challenge, just as last week with Baka, I found that Janine was the weak link, even though seemingly the tribe members didn't agree with that take. Uh, this time it was very clearly Neka who lost them the challenge, uh, this time for the Vesi tribe rather than Baka. And it as soon as the challenge was done, Neka was copying all of the heat. And that was the point I just, I could immediately sense that it was going to be one of the other two girls going home. I could just feel it. Justine. Cody kind of found himself in somewhat of a power position. And I, I could just tell. I was like, Justine, I don't know if you watched the episode and you felt the same. But it, it just felt like it was definitely going to go that way. Justine a much more threatening player than Necker, And yeah, she would have kind of had her attention focused on Necker. Like Justine would have been thinking, maybe this is going to be a clear cut vote. Everyone votes for Necker. And she kind of drops her guard, which would allow for everyone else to vote her out. Now we got another inspirational story after the tribal council. Ellie, who is a major player in this game, I think she's going to go very far. She talked about being diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia, but throughout her young childhood years, she hadn't been diagnosed yet. She had teachers who just thought she was dumb or she was slow, and she's really struggled with that aspect of her life. She talked a few times about, you know, feeling dumb or being dumb, and then she just drops that she has a doctoral degree. I'm like, babe... You are smarter than most people. You're smarter than I am. You, I don't know. Is there anyone? Do you reckon? There would be one or two, but I don't know how many dumb people have their doctoral degree. That's what I mean. Like, it's an extraordinary cast. If this is the dumb chick and she's a doctor or has a doctoral degree, then gee whiz. Like, this is a fucking game full of geniuses. Ali, you got to give yourself a bit more credit. You, you're very smart. Very, very smart. And I do believe Ellie is one of the major threats to win this game. 
Now, before I get on to Vessi and everything that transpired around the scramble leading into Tribal Council, also got to address the situation of Gabler's idol. Now, I said in the first podcast episode last week, I like Gable, I am a fan of Gable, but it's going to be interesting to see how long he sticks around. Now, of course, he did get that immunity idol from going on the adventure, and there was some confusion amongst the Bucca tribe. Does, they said, for two tribals that it lasts. So they went to the tribal council in episode one, so we know for sure already one of them's been burnt up. But amongst the Barker tribe, Janine, Owen and the likes, they've been discussing, is it the next two tribal councils, which in turn would mean that it would be null and void after Vessi head to tribal council? Or is the idol good for Gabler's next two tribal councils? Big difference there. Is Gable safe at the next vote? They aren't sure. So Janine actually searches through Gabler's bag. A bit of a no-no in real life. You definitely don't go searching through people's bags unless you want a slap upside the head. But in Survivor, anything goes. It's kind of fair game. And to see it and be like, uh, I don't know about that. I'm sure if I was on the island, I'd probably resort to searching bags as well. So Janine looks through Gabler's bag. He even came out of the water because he was having a swim or going fishing or something like that. And Gabler kind of comes back at one stage, which I was like, imagine if he sees her going through his bag. But then he goes back out to the water and Janine searches through the bag, finds the idol and revelation. Gabler's idol is good for not just the first two tribal councils, they are good for his first two tribal councils. So that is a massive advantage for Gabler. That means that he is safe from the vote next time Parker go to tribal council. And with only five members of the tribe remaining, that means that realistically, only one of the remaining four out of the Barker tribe can be voted for. So that definitely shakes things up, especially given we're seeing an alignment between Janine and a couple of different players. Owen included. Ellie is one of them as well. So she was in on it. And look, at least now they have the knowledge that Gabler's idol is good for his next two tribal councils. But this is definitely a watch this space. I'm interested to see how everything regarding Gabler's idol does end up playing out. But we'll take the wait and see approach. Obviously, Barker not headed to Tribal Council in this episode, but it is something I'm going to look to touch on over the next couple of podcasts as well. But now, let's turn our attention to the Vesi tribe. They are going to Tribal Council. Now, obviously, I opened the podcast by explaining who got voted out, but I did write some notes regarding the scramble toward Tribal Council, which I always find it's an important way to try and distinguish who who's aligned with who and what kind of advantages are there at play. Are there any real sneaky players trying to make a blindside move? So we head over to Vessi. Obviously, they've lost in the challenge. Neka looking like she's going to be the one to blame. 
and Justine and Noel are gunning for her. Justine and Noel have gone around, they've pitched the concept to the boys saying, look, we've got to keep the tribe strong, which is a rhetoric that is quite often used in the game of Survivor. And it does make sense. If you don't keep your tribe strong, if you keep the perceived weaker players around, well, then you leave yourself very vulnerable to going to even more tribal councils. So for Justine and Noel, they were really trying to push for Necker, and it became quite clear very early on in this game that Justine and Noel were a very strong pairing. Have to be very careful when you have a duo as strong as they are, and I do think the Vesey tribe made the right decision. Now, in the midst of all this chaos between the six tribe members, Dwight does not have a vote. Of course, he went on the adventure in episode one, and he risked his vote, and Gabler ends up getting the idol. Dwight ends up losing his vote for this tribal council. So that, really unfortunate for Dwight. He now has absolutely no say in who's going home, and that also leaves him vulnerable to being voted out. However, Dwight's island husband, I don't know, I don't know uh, Jesse, he, he's really worried about Justine. Now, Justine made a confession to Jesse that she is great at lying, really good at telling fibs. Now, that has stuck with Jesse. He's like, okay, well, if she's really good at lying, would I prefer to trust her? Or would I prefer to trust Necker? who comes across as a very honest, wholesome soul that I think Necker seems like the kind of character, and I don't know her personally, so this could be wrong, but I feel like Necker would be much more conflicted when it comes to telling a lie to people that she's very close with than Justine, who's a sales rep. Like, they fucking spend their whole existence lying for a living, basically. Uh, so, look, Jesse. He really wants to vote Justine out, but Dwight is not so keen. So there's already a bit of a uh, tiff between this island marriage. I, I don't fucking know. Um, but Jesse, he wants to get rid of Justine. Dwight, not so much on board. Now, Cody, in the meantime, he goes for a walk, finds a beware advantage, and in true Cody fashion, opens it with... No hesitation. Now, this is a really bold play, given that we've already seen seasons 41 and 42. Anyone who's seen those seasons knows that a beware advantage comes with a great risk. And almost every time, from memory, you lose your vote before you can gain the advantage. So Cody, should he have thought that one through a little bit more? He, now he loses his vote. There are only four people on the Vesey tribe that can vote. And Cody was aligned with Necker. So now this is totally throwing their plans off. And yeah, I like it though. I do like it. We did see that it ended up paying off for Cody. And yeah, it's just his kind of personality. No hesitation. As soon as he opened it too, he was like, oh shit, why did I do that? But I mean, if you've got L-I-V-I-N tattooed on your ass, I guess, I guess you just got to go for it, right? So now Cody is faced with a huge challenge where he has to collect five beads. 
So a bead from every player on his tribe. And these beads are attached to everyone's bags. So he's got to convince them. He's not allowed to just steal the beads. He has to convince everyone to give him one of their beads in order for the idol to have any power. Until that stage, Cody has no vote. So now, right on the eve of tribal, we see Cody lose his vote, descends into total chaos from what was once seemingly a clear cut plan. Sorry, a clear cut plan. There we go. Uh, so it was seemingly very clear cut, and now. Cody's just totally flipped this tribal council on its head, or at least the tribal that they are about to head to. Now, Cody still has time, though, to try and activate not just his idol, but also regain his vote ahead of Vessi's first tribal council this season. Now, we know that Justine and Noel are planning to vote for Necka. Jesse and Necka are planning to vote for Justine, so that levels it up. Two votes apiece. Of course, Cody and Dwight, both without a vote. And if this goes pear-shaped, they may end up having to draw rocks. Or at least that was the perception at this point in the episode. Now, for Cody, his plan to grab the beads, he's creating a hat made out of flax leaves. And he keeps adding beads to the hat. He keeps asking people, hey, do you want to... Maybe, you know, contribute a bead to this wonderful hat that I'm creating. Now, Necker and Jesse, they are on board, no doubt. So they give Cody their beads straight away and really help him get a good start. But that's only two of the five. Then Justine, the same player he's trying to vote out. Unfortunately for her, she very willingly and very kindly hands over her bead to Cody. No, no argument. She clearly did not suspect that something was afoot. And then after that, Dwight gives Cody his bead. So now, Cody only needs one more bead. However, Noelle, not keen. She's made a bracelet already with some of her beads, and Noelle's not willing to part with it. So now, Cody faces an uphill battle. He's only got one bead to go, and then... He's safe, he's got an immunity idol, but if she doesn't hand it over, then the whole plan of getting rid of Justine falls flat on its face. Alright, now we enter Tribal Council. Vessi going into their first tribal of the season, and seemingly the tribe is broken down into three separate pairs. You have Dwight and Jesse, island husband and wife. You have Justine and Noel, who were shaping as a real power pairing heading into this season, and Cody and Necker. An interesting combination, but I really like it. Cody has warmed a lot to Necker, and the same can be said in reverse. So this tribe of six split into three pairs, but they're gonna have to work out exactly where everybody stands because trust is the only currency in Survivor. Now, Cody rocks up in his funky new hat. 
And in my notes, I had written, Cody does not have his vote. So at this stage, Cody enters tribal council. He still hasn't collected that final bead. He does not have a vote, which to my eye at the time, well, that left only four people who were going to vote. And it was definitely looking like it was going to be two apiece. So they do the pre-tribal chat. I'm wondering, how's this all going to go down? But from the get-go, I just still felt like Justine was going to go home. She was the much bigger threat. And we see it all the time where someone gives a poor account of themselves in the challenge. It seems or a little bit too easy, a little bit too straightforward to just get rid of them. Now, as we get to time to count the votes, Jeff Probst, Cody, everyone, still no information regarding Cody's vote. So we've totally assumed by this point that he has no vote. Now, first vote is for Justine. Second vote for Necker. Third vote for Cody. Interesting. I found that really intriguing. It seemed like it was going to be really straightforward. But the Cody vote totally switched things up. I Maybe that was Dwight. I'll have to go back and check on that. And then Justine gets another vote. So two votes Justine, one vote Necker, one vote Corey. Cody, fucking Corey, where the hell did that come from? Goodness gracious, sorry. Um, and one vote left. Now when Probe says one vote left, it's kind of like, hold on a minute. There's only supposed to be four votes. But then... For the first time I think I've ever seen in Survivor where they've done something like this and flashed back right before the final vote, we see vision of Necker convincing Noelle to hand over her bead to Cody. So that is a huge moment. I had assumed, as had everyone else really, that Cody did not have a vote, but at the absolute last minute, Necker comes in clutch, Noelle hands her bead over to Cody, and Cody gets his vote back just in time. With the final vote, we find out that the second person voted out of Survivor 43 is Justine. Big shakeup. The major player in this tribe is now gone. That leaves Noelle on the bottom and Cody and Necker with a mastermind play that now sees them sitting atop the Vesey tribe. And Jesse, he went the way of Justine, and Dwight, his island wife, does not look happy. So trouble in paradise in this weird duo. Uh, we've got Dwight looking pretty pissed off. So Jesse, he's gone the way of Justine, which you could kind of tell that he was going to throughout the episode. And with that being done, Justine is gone, but there is still a lot of fallout to go down within the Vesey tribe. We're gonna to have to see how the relationship between, uh, between Jesse and Dwight unfolds in the next episode. We're gonna see the pair of Cody and Necker. And now, Noelle finds herself on the bottom. One of the strongest players in this tribe, well, she's just lost her strongest ally. So we've seen Justine get voted out. Now I'm gonna turn my attention to episode three, and that's already been released. So I'm gonna sit down, watch that now, 
And hey, let's not waste any more time. I'm going to pump out the next episode podcast and release that as soon as possible. So if you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at not just a sports report. And of course, follow us on your preferred podcasting platform. You'll be able to see as soon as the episode three weekly wrap is out. So with that being said, now I guess it's time for me to start the next episode. We've seen two people voted out of Survivor 43. They're already about a week into the game as well, which I find very interesting. I mean, there's less than 20 days now. So I'll go back to what I said in the first podcast. I'm not a fan of 26 days. Yeah, it's faster, the pace and shit. I liked 39. I liked 39. Now I feel like, you know, the old person, even though I'm 26, who just kind of looks back and it's like, ah, oh, back in my day, you know, Survivor was 39 days. I don't like this new generation 26 day shit. But I don't. I want more Survivor, not less Survivor. But whatever. We've got 26 days. It's here to stay. And now there's nothing else to do but launch into episode three. Thanks heaps for listening. And until next time, take care of yourselves.